from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is the Detroit City Cast with Dan Leach, presented by Bet Rivers. And welcome in, fight citizens. Happy Throwdown Thursday here on the Detroit City Cast. So, you know, rough day. The Tigers go down to the Guardians 3 to 2. Who am I kidding? Ding dong, the witch is dead. Now, listen, I am never someone that is rooting for people to get fired, but obviously, you know, it's sports is a business, and there are times where it needs to happen. And you know, me being, you know, an extremely positive person and, you know, g- giving Matt Miller, or, you know, more time than he should have gotten and Matt Patricia more time than he should have gotten even Rich Rodriguez because I'm just a positive guy and I want the best for our teams and I sometimes wait to take too long to understand things aren't going to work. I was off the Alvila bandwagon, well, not bandwagon, but the Alvila train this season and the inevitable finally happened. It was no surprise. The timing might have been. And, you know, just the way that Chris Illich handled his awful press conference might have just obviously turned some eyebrows and kind of led more into the whole, you know, thought process by some fans. Actually, many fans out there. He doesn't care. I think he cares. But, you know, is he is he tied into the team? No. As much as he should be. That being said, Elfiel is out. Seven years, basically a 38% win percentage. Terrible trade, starting with JV and JD. Terrible stuff at the deadline with Grossman uh, this year and Michael Fulmer. Yeah, the draft picks are decent. Hopefully they're going to work out, and the next GM can figure out what the Tigers have. You know, and the Jackson Joe will be solid, and, of course, Spencer Torkelson, Casey Mize when he gets off the, uh, you know, when he gets healthy after the surgery. But, boy, 
It's like a weight has been lifted off the fan base here, the franchise here. We're going to talk with my man Cody Stavenhagen, who does a great job as the Tigers beat writer for The Athletic in just a little bit, and kind of dive into all aspects of this. He wrote a great piece uh, on The Athletic on Wednesday after the, the news broke in the afternoon about how everything went down. Uh, and I'm looking forward to talking with Cody about all the different aspects of what is going to happen next, why this happened when it did, why it did happen before the trade deadline and the draft and all that different stuff. So we'll talk with Cody in just a little bit. But uh, Al Avila, after seven years and the extension, is no longer the Tigers GM and it happens on August 10th. Does it happen pre-draft? Does it happen you know, right after the draft or, or a, a trade deadline? And it doesn't happen after the season ends, which happens a lot. But this is kind of one of those things where the Tigers want to have a leg up on other teams that are going to be firing GMs and managers. And that could really help them get the right guy. And the great hope for me is that the Tigers, a sterling organization, I mean, yes, they haven't had success lately, but this is a team that's been, you know, been to and won multiple World Series, has an incredible fan base, an historic team, an original team, uh, you know, the old English team, all that kind of stuff. The great day and night on Saturday with Lou Whitaker's number one getting retired in the beautiful ceremony and almost sold out Comerica Park in a situation that you hoped would have happened more than just for, you know, the 3,000-hit game with Cabrera this year, opening day, and Lou Whitaker being retired. You would hope that the Tigers had close to sellouts or sellouts throughout the season because they were going you know, to be flirting with a playoff spot. But that's what we hope happens going forward here as Tigers fans, that this is going to be a situation where Chris Illich and the people that run the organization get the right people in charge, and that, like the Lions did, go outside of the organization for the first time in multiple decades. Don't hire a crony, someone that, you know, you, you know, like a Rod Wood-type guy, obviously Matt Millen that was unproven, someone that has been there before. You know, I talked about this with the Lions. I hope Dan Campbell works out, and he could be the right guy if he is, because I think Brad Holmes, the GM, is for sure. If he's the right guy, Dan Campbell, the Lions, with their talent base they're building, and they still aren't there yet, they got a couple more years to go, but they could be a long-time viable contender. And you hope this is what's happening with the Tigers. And, you know, Dan Campbell might not be the right guy because I wanted the Lions to have a coach that had been there and done it before, not an upstart, because the Lions haven't won. The Tigers have won, but this team obviously lately has been terrible. I want someone that has been there before. I'm not saying necessarily a total retread. And by the way, Tigers fans, stop with the Theo Epstein stuff. You know, why don't we just get, uh, you know, uh, Patty Mahomes as quarterback for the Lions or, you know, Steph Curry as the, you know, uh, the shooting guard for the Pistons. You can dream as big as you want, but let's not get crazy. That being said, I want someone that has success. I mean, if it's going to be a guy that was an assistant GM, maybe a GM in the past, someone that has been with a franchise, kind of how the Wings went with, with Tampa's top assistant under John Cooper, someone that has been there, that has won, that has been to World Series or been a, to a World Series in recent years, or a general manager that has won. And there's not many of those, I get it, but they're out there. And this team, the big question now is, do they have to do another rebuild? Will it be another five or six years? Or can they kind of do what the Phillies did, even though the Phillies are a much different example because they actually, you know, had success and went to a World Series. Can they, the, the Tigers rebuild on the fly, even though obviously rebuild might not be the right term because they <laughs> haven't been good yet, but instead of a five or six or seven year rebuild again. But listen, it might be the best scenario for this team. We'll see what Cody thinks about this. Uh, it might be the best scenario to tear it all down and start again, as opposed to trying to take what you have here and this and that and, and patch things together. We'll see. There's a lot of question marks when it comes to that. But the bottom line is, Alavila is out. 
Probably should have happened maybe even earlier this season when things like they were trending the wrong way. Tigers won 77 games this year. They're not going to come even close to that this year. They took a full two, three, four steps backwards. It was unacceptable. Yes, there was injuries. Every team in Major League Baseball has injuries. It's not like the Tigers have so many more than other teams do. This team was not built correctly, at least for this year, in a year where they should have had momentum to move forward, and Alavila had to go. Now it's 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 interesting, too, because there's been so much vitriol towards Alavila and the whole Fire Avila crowd and the hashtag Fire Avila and the T-shirts and the posters and the signs at Tigers games. Well, now he's fired. So where's the vitriol going to go now? Hopefully these Tigers fans that have been upset, and I get it, I've been upset too, can take a step back and say, all right, we got to get the right person in here to move the team forward and not be like, oh, whoever the next GM is. Well, they suck too. This is about a process. The Wings are in the middle of this. The Lions hopefully are in the middle of this. The Pistons are hopefully in the middle of this. You know, we have kind of a dearth of, of success here in Detroit for the first time with all four teams in a long, long time. Because over the last 40 years, whether it was the Tigers, the Red Wings, the Pistons, I mean, obviously the Lions are kind of the outlier, but those first three franchises all had championship years of success often. And the Lions did too. The Lions had success where they made the playoffs. They just haven't won more than a playoff game. They just have won once. It's 57. But we've, we've got this period of time where it's been really rough for five, six years with all the franchises. But guess what? It might be really good for the next 10 years with at least two, if not three of the franchises. Heck, maybe all four. I know it's asking for a lot, but it's possible. So uh, looking forward to talking with Cody Stavenegg in just a little bit. Uh, but first, let's take a trip to the Motown betting window. It's brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers. Calling all baseball fans as Bet Rivers. This week, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is your home for same-game parlay bets and bets on all professional baseball games. Create your ideal same-game parlay of over three legs and receive up to three 50% profit boosts. That's right, get a 50% profit boost when you place qualifying same-game parlay wagers this week only. Head over to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers Sportsbook app for more details. Must be 21, playable in Michigan only. Gambling problem? Call 800-270-7117. So yes, the Tigers went down. 3-2 to two to the Guardians, a team they owned a few weeks ago during one of the few good-feeling periods of the season for the Tigers. But they will close out the series against the Guardians 1-10 later today. It will be Plesak. He's just 2-10 with a 4-4-9 ERA for Cleveland. And then Hill for the Tigers. He's 2-3 with a 5-1-2 ERA. The Tigers obviously didn't get a fire reveal a bump. It's not like when you fire a coach and there's a good game or two. Because uh, the team is kind of excited, not I don't want to say excited, but fired off. They got a fresh new start. Uh, the Indians, by the way, Pet Rivers minus 170, the total 8.5. Complete pass for me on this game. Probably going to be passing on the Tigers. As you know, we haven't made many plays on them, except for a total here and there. And there was one game we gave you with Detroit on the money line as a dog in the last, was it three weeks? The Tigers did win, but no value in betting the Tigers right now. They are 43 and 69, and easily one of the worst teams. In baseball, and then coming up over the weekend, the Tigers will travel to Tony La Russa and the White Sox. Game one, uh, Tigers undecided Friday night, seven ten Eastern start. Kopak for the White Sox. He's four and eight with a three three eight ERA. Let's talk Saint, uh, FedEx St. Jude Championship. We gave our official picks out yesterday on the show, but as we always talk about on the Detroit City Cast, you know I give you a ton of golf winners. You know, I love golf. I will always keep you up to date about plays that I'm making to add on 
any matchups I like. I haven't really been doing many matchups lately, but I, uh, you know, backing up doing with top fives or tens or top twenties, or of course taking outrights like we did last week with Brandon Wu, who almost got the job done. Uh, we took him after the Friday round. Um, I'm going to go over the plays we have again if you missed the show on Wednesday. But if there's anything else that I like, I will let you know on my Twitter at DanLeach971 or we'll talk about it tomorrow on the Fantastic Friday show before I head out to Vegas for uh, the weekend. But also, I'm going to give you the plays that we have. And as I've explained to you, and if you're listening for the first time, I'm going to do it again here for you. So sorry to repeat for some of you that have heard this before. You can never hear the information enough. I can never learn enough from, from people that I trust in the business and can take what I've you know been su- successful with and take the best of all their, their stuff. What you want to do is look at the plays that I made. And if, let's say, you didn't hear the show, so you didn't take it before the tournament, or you didn't, you know, really like my play on, on a certain outright, but you kind of kind of makes sense now for you, and maybe you saw the way they played in round number one based on when you listened to the show, I'm going to give you the, the kind of the parameters of what I would still take one of these players at. So the first play we made, we stayed away from the top 10 or so favorites because a lot of these guys have not played in the last, uh, you know, few weeks. I mean, obviously, Finau has, but when I went back to back, you know, for the first time that he went to that on the PGA Tour in quite some time since 2019 with Brandon Todd. Uh, but we started with Sun JM, who was 35 to 1. Of course, back to back top twos with the three, uh, the Rocket Mortgage in, in last week. And you look at Sun JM. Let's say, you know, round one, he's three or four off the lead. You get him around 33 to 1 or 27 or so to 1. I would definitely take him. I would add on to him. Uh, no problem with him not leading or, you know, you know, being a one or two off after round one. So that's a very important thing to look at uh, when it comes to where these guys are. I'm going to always give you parameters after the, the tournament starts. So Sunjay was our first play. And, it, you know, let's say he has a great day and he leads and his odds go down to like seven to one. Of course, I'm not taking him that. You want to still have the value after round one uh, or even during round one of a guy that is not too far off of what his opening odds were because you know, you don't want to lose that kind of value. If you want to take someone that has odds to go from 33 to 1 and they're 4 or 5 off to like 50 to 1, that's fine. And we've done that a lot on the show and it's been successful for us. The next play was Shane Lowry. I think, you know, best one of the best tee to green players uh, in the world. This is a course, uh, you know, that definitely TBC Summerland that um, supports that kind of play. He's a great approach shot player. He went off at 40 to 1. If, you know, he's three, four, or five off the lead and the odds go down no lower than 30 or so to one, I would definitely add on uh, with Shane Lowry. And we went with Russell Henry, who went off at 50 to one. Same thing with Russell Henry. I wouldn't go any lower than 38 or so to one, uh, up to 50 to one. Uh, we did do a half unit play on Tyrell Hatton at 50 to one. I wouldn't go lower than, you know, 40 to one on Tyrell Hatton. And then we made a play on Joaquin Neiman. Went off at 60 to one. By the way, he was 60 to one at Bet Rivers. He was like 45 to 1 and, and 40, you know, 7 to 1 or so at all the other main sports books that I look at. So hopefully, you know, if you took him, you took him at Bet Rivers. I know that most of you listen to this show probably do take the plays at Bet Rivers because that's where the, the best, a lot of the best golf odds are for me. I mean, based on the fact that I bet a lot of golf. Uh, Joaquin Neiman, 60 to 1. I wouldn't go any lower than 40 to 1 with Joaquin Neiman if he's three, four, five strokes off the lead coming up uh, after round number one. And then we did a half you to play on my man, Harold Varner third uh, at 80 to one. I wouldn't go any lower than 65 or so to one on Harold Varner before the start of round number two. 
Uh, let's update you on the Lions preseason game number one on the heels of that great premiere of Hard Knocks. They will play the Falcons at Ford Field on Friday night. The Falcons at one point early in the week were two and a half point favorites. The main uh, spread on this game has been one and a half. The Falcons now minus one and a half, plus 104. It was only two and a half for like about a day. Lions plus one and a half, minus 125. It's where they were yesterday. Both sides' money line is minus 110. It actually is pretty good value if you're taking the Falcons. Uh, because, you know, normally it would be like minus 115 or minus 120. That could go up uh, closer to game time. And the total has been a steady 35 and a half. Majority on the under in this game. Uh, but there has been some tickets in play on the over. Uh, the over is minus 105. The 35 and a half, the under, is minus 117. And we do have a couple games tonight in the preseason. Giants and Patriots from New England. It'll be the Giants minus 2 and a half. At Bet Rivers, minus 118. Patriots. Plus two and a half, minus 103. Giants money line, minus 155. Pats plus 125. Uh, the total 33 and a half, over minus 113, under minus 108. And the Titans will play the Ravens. Remember, we've discussed value betting preseason. We're not going to take a ton of games, but you do a little research. Uh, and obviously, when I like games, I'll let you know. Quarterback depth charts. Uh, battles of different positions that are, you know, very important, mainly quarterback being the number one position for that. But obviously, if there's running back battles, wide receiver battles, coaches that are saying they're going to try to score a lot of points, we, you know, look at all this stuff for you and just doing a little research, whether listening to the show or doing, you know, it on your own as well, uh, can really help you find some value in certain preseason games. And I mentioned that anytime you see a spread that's more than three and a half, that, you know, is four or five, six or seven uh, and, and something like that, or a total that's in the 40s, Sometimes that should send a red flag to you. Other times there's a reason. Uh, this game has one of those feels. Ravens minus three and a half. And a lot of Titans are not going to be playing. Uh, so it's a stay away from me. But that's the kind of scenario where we might bang one of these games with a kind of an awkward spread. Most spreads in the preseason are one, one and a half, two, two and a half. They're under that key number of three or seven that we get in college and pro football. Ravens on the money line, minus 186. Titans plus 155 in the total. 31 and a half over minus 106 under minus 115 and updating you on the Detroit Lions markets to see if anything has changed with the hard knocks bump it is not really Lions speaking the playoffs of Bet Rivers still plus 340 on the yes the no minus 455 uh, division finishing positions Lions finishing first nine to one that's where it's been for a while second four to one third plus 165 fourth plus 145 and guess what the total number of games won in the regular season those lines haven't moved either. The over six and a half, I gave you a plan over six or six and a half is uh, the over is minus 125. I still like that, even with the juice. The under is uh, plus 103, over five and a half, minus 240, no change there. Under five and a half, plus 190. The over seven and a half, plus 165, and under seven and a half is minus 225. And remember, Bet Rivers has a big presence in Michigan. So if you see some kind of wacky things happening with the odds shifting, a lot of that could have to do with the fact that there's a lot of people betting the Lions in Michigan. Well, guess what? The Lions are not moving, so there has not been this crazy uh, bump after hard knocks, which can happen in certain scenarios. But there are some new things that just were added under Detroit Lions markets. That's where you can get like the Lions win totals and division odds and all that kind of stuff, uh, or division finishing spots. Aiden Hutchinson to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, and the Lions have a winning record. The yes bet, 15 to 1. I think Hutchinson's got a great chance at around five and, uh, plus 550 to win the defensive uh, rookie of the year. The Lions, I do not think they're going to have a winning record. So you're getting great value there, but I'm going to stay away from that. And then how about this one? Jared Goff, over 3,750 and a half passing yards, and Amon Ross St. Brown, 
over 800 and a half receiving yards. That's, of course, for the regular season only. That, yes, is plus 180. That is definitely right in the range. You're getting almost two to one. So we're going to kind of look at that over the next week or so and see uh, if we make a play on that. And then just to update where we're at with some of those props as far as coach of the year and, you know, defensive rookie of the year, this is where we might start seeing some movement. And this is where you want to watch certain things. And I told you to take Hutchinson uh, for rookie of the year at plus 550 a, a long time ago. And I think that closer to the start of this season, you are going to see, uh, you know, this line move. And obviously, you're going to be able to bet this in season as well. If Hutch gets off to a, a nice start, he's going to be cut. He already is the favorite right now. But if he gets off to a nice start, he is going to go down in the odds to 4-1, to 3-1, to one, all that kind of stuff. So right now, when you look where it's at at Bet Rivers, and by the way, to get to this, just click on the NFL button. And then click under futures, and you can find all the different over, you know, rushing yard totals and all that different stuff. The lines, markets, uh, all the different teams' markets as well, and that's where you can find these props for defensive and offensive rookie of the year. So when you look at it, you know, this is the, to me, this is where you probably need to make some decisions because I think the lines are going to move based on just the hype that he's going to get from uh, Hard Knocks. And if he does have a good preseason, the, the, the rare you know times that he plays, as well as what could happen early in the regular season. Uh, but you look at Hutchinson right now at Bet Rivers to win uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's down to plus five hundred. He lost that fifty dollar bump there. Thibodeau six to one, Quay Walker and Kyle Hamilton eight to one, and then Dan Campbell to be Coach of the Year fifteen to one. Favorites Brian Dable. Uh, he's 13 to 1. Brandon Staley is 14 to 1 along with Doug Peterson. Dan Campbell is at 15 to 1. I think there is some value on Dan Campbell being the coach of the year in the National Football League, even if the Lions win seven, eight games, but are in the majority of them. So we'll keep uh, an eye on that as well. And then for offensive rookie of the year, the favorites been Kenny Pickett the whole way, six to one. Brees Hall, seven to one, Drake London, eight to one, Christian Watson, nine to one, Kenneth Walker the third, ten to one, along with Garrett Wilson. Then you've got my man Jameson Williams down at sixteen to one, basically where he's been at uh for the last couple of months since the draft. He gets healthy early in the year and has an impact with that offense. He definitely will have a chance. The Lions are a much improved team, win seven, eight, nine games. So I do, I, I gave you the plan, Jameson Williams, months ago as well. I like a plan, both him and Hutch, a full unit play for offensive and defensive rookie of the year, respectively. All right, let's trip to the Motown betting window brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers. And coming up next, my man Cody Stavenhagen, the Tigers beat writer for the Athletics, will get in depth on what happened with Alavila getting fired, why it happened when it did, and what the future might hold for the Detroit Tigers and their starved fan base, at least for the last seven, eight years or so. That comes up next right here on the Throwdown Thursday edition of the Detroit CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21, playable in Michigan only. Gambling problem, call 1 800 270 7117. And here he is, my man Cody Stavenhagen, the beat writer for the Tigers for the Athletic. Uh, appreciate you joining us on such a crazy last, you know, 24 hours. 
You wrote about this the athletic, Cody. You said it's a move that felt inevitable. I got to ask you off the bat, what took so long to fire Alavila? <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people out there have that question. It's interesting. Uh, obviously, the fan base has been upset with Al for a long time, for years. I think internally there was a belief that there was a plan, that things could get better. Al got the extension in 2019, seriously, because of more behind-the-scenes things, building up an analytics staff, improving the farm system some changes to scouting, all that good stuff that um, there was always the hope, will this actually produce results? And I think Chris Illich and the Illich family tends to be loyal to um, just a lot of their longtime executives. I think last year, uh, obviously, A.J. Hinch comes along, the Tigers are on an upswing, a positive trajectory. They, they go out and spend. Al kind of got the full opportunity to take this thing down to the 10 yard line. And then it was like, it was like getting sacked for a, a massive loss of yardage, you know? <laughs> um, and I think it finally, there was just no longer any reasonable justification. It was clear that things aren't working. It was clear that, um, you know, I think a lot of people around the league did not have a ton of respect for Al's abilities as a GM. I think it was just overall clear that if this is ever going to get better, um, a bigger picture change of leadership had to happen. It seemed like Chris Illich gave him every reasonable opportunity to get this thing off the ground, and it just could not happen. Yeah, to go back to your uh, sack yardage analogy, and we'll keep it fresh, like Aiden Hutchinson, you know, <laughs> stopping it for a loss of like 45 yards. You know, let me just take you back even further. You know, I, I, I think you made a great explanation there about why it happened now and obviously it was inevitable and it had to happen after the Tigers having such uh, you know just a ridiculously bad year and injuries notwithstanding every team gets injuries the Tigers took a big step back after as you mentioned a year that looked like they were going to be at least a 500 team this season even with the injuries but how about this why would they not do it you know Chris Illich of course is the guy that did it why would they not do it before the trade deadline? Because once again, I mean, you can go back to the Justin Verlander, J.D. Martinez deals, and all the different things that Alvila hasn't done or has done that, that's worked out to be terrible. Why would they wait till after the trade deadline? Was there a straw from your reporting that broke the camel's back? Was it just, okay, this isn't going anywhere, you know, it's time now? Like, why? what about the timing of it? Yeah, I've been thinking about that, and I can't come to a great answer. Of course, Chris Illich got asked that today and didn't really – uh, share a lot of his actual thought process on the timing. <laughs> I think people talk about the draft. I'm of the opinion that firing a GM before the draft could actually be counterproductive because the draft is this massive behemoth, especially in a long draft like baseball. Like if you have upheaval, upheaval in the front office, I think that completely messes up your process. As for the trade deadline, that's an interesting question. I mean, it was what, seven years and one week ago, Dave Dombrowski was fired right after the trade deadline. I don't think uh, Chris Illich woke up and was like, oh, you know, Al, he, he didn't really make any creative moves at the trade deadline. It's time to move on. You know, I think this decision right. was going to be made no matter what. Um, it makes you wonder if there were was some sort of guidance from ownership. I, I'm not reporting that. I have no idea. But, like, hey, don't do too much at the trade deadline. I don't know. That, that all does make you wonder because if you were going to fire the GM, why would you have him run the trade deadline? I think uh, I, th I think that's a valid question, and I honestly don't know the answer to it. Uh, my my only like devil's advocate argument would be: Is there a perfect time to fire a GM? You know, it's never exactly a convenient yeah. thing to do.
It isn't, but, you know, just to, to, you know, kind of dive into that, you know, kind of micro point, you know, the one thing is they didn't fire him before the trade deadline. Obviously, you would think they would fire him after the season. Is it possible, maybe this will come out, maybe you've heard murmurs, is it possible there was tension between Alavia? Like, he, maybe they got, not in a, I'm not saying a shouting match, but, like, maybe they had a meeting, you know, after the draft and after the trade deadline, and that there were, you know, some kind of, friction between the two that made it happen now or like you said there's never a good time to do it but why would you not wait till the end of the season i i do think hiring or firing a gm before the end of the season is the right move even i believe what chris illich said it's we want to get a leg up in the search process um basically you get the ball rolling if you're what good hanging on to the guy through august and september actually do when you can accelerate this process of bringing in a new regime making more changes it's not just going to be the gm i'm pretty sure there are going to be there's going to be a lot more things that change behind the scenes in this organization and that stuff takes time so i I think i think that's definitely the answer to that one well let's talk about chris elegy you brought him up a couple of times and you know when you've got and this is with all due respect because you know we got great fans in the city great tigers fans and it's it's too bad because it was a beautiful night, you know, of course, on Saturday night, retiring Lou Whitaker's number one and almost sold out Comerica, which is the way I wish that game actually meant something. It was just for the Lou Whitaker ceremony. But the yeah. Chris Illich press conference on Wednesday, it's like this guy cannot get out of his own way. And you brought this up. We were getting set to, to start this interview that, you know, this should have been you know, take Chris Illich to work day, like lunch day, you know, you know, where, where Chris Illich's, you know, Cape day. And it turned out to be even worse than, you know, before the day started, except for the fact that he fired Alvila, which, you know, we know Tigers fans of the fire Alvila shirts and all the different murmurs and stuff. And the, the kind of, you know, just the, the groundswell of support for that. What, what are your thoughts on the press conference? I mean, you were there. Yeah, you nailed it. This was the, this was a layup slam dunk news story. Chris Illich did what the vast majority of the Tigers fan base has been calling for for a long time. He fired Alavila, and his news conference was so bad, people are still ending the day criticizing Chris Illich. Um, I think there were there were a number of things. The overall messaging just was not good. He was very vague about things that he should have been able to answer, such as, when did you tell Al? Uh, and he was like, well, in the last day or maybe two. Like, okay. Uh, there was him stating, you know, I asked him, do you still view Al getting a contract extension in 2019 as the right decision? And Chris went on and multiple times claimed it was 2021 when he got the extension. So why do you not remember the year you extended the guy you just fired? Uh, there was, you know, he was asked a couple of times, do you take any responsibility for some of Al's failings? And he, he wasn't really going down that road. He was asked about the Verlander and the J.D. Martinez trade, and he said, well, I didn't make those trades. The GM made those trades. And I think maybe that was taken a little out of – blown out of proportion. I think what he was meaning to say was that exactly. Like, I'm the owner. My job isn't to be the one making trades. Uh, But you kind of got to have a feel, a read for the room, that if you say something like that, it looks like you're – throwing the guy under the bus and not accepting any any culpability of your own that combined with just some other awkward moments uh it was it was not a great press conference i do think chris was very blunt business-like you could tell this was a businessman making like a business decision uh but the overall messaging could have been way way better in my opinion 
Yeah, that's all, like I said, you know, we got great fans in this city, but when you got like, you know, the majority of fans I'm seeing on social media on a daily, we, you know, we had mentioned that, you know, should have been, uh, we everyone loves Chris Hillich Day saying he didn't look, he looked like he wouldn't want to be there, you know, just, you know, even the fans that are, some of them are just way too positive, you know, thought the press conference was terrible. And that, that's, that's bad, bad, bad news. And then, you know, there's a long way to go, Cody. And, and obviously, we'll see how this stuff plays itself out. And as you mentioned, it is a good thing to, you know, get a leg up. It happens a lot in the NFL and, and all the, you know, the major sports here in America where you can, you know, get a leg up and getting the next right GM. And hopefully the Lions did it the right way. And hopefully the Pistons did it the right way with Troy Weaver, Brad Holmes uh, with the Lions. And I jokingly tweeted, does Brad Holmes know baseball? Asking for a friend named Christopher. <laughs> and by the way, I'm sure we can, you know, just end this right here. Tigers fans can stop the Theo Epstein to Detroit stuff, right? I mean, that's just ridiculous. He's not coming to the, to the Tigers, Cody, is he? But who who is yeah. possible, possibly someone maybe that's been on your radar that you've heard murmurs about that could be the next GM? And can the Tigers do what the Lions did? We don't know if it's going to work out with the Lions, but at least for the first time in like four decades, they went outside the organization, got help, and did do it with their own cronies. Yeah, I think, you know, everyone likes to toss around Theo Epstein or Jeff Lunau. I would say those seem like extreme long shots. I guess never sure. say never, but I'm not banking on either of those guys by any means. Um, I think you look at someone who works for a forward-thinking organization, who has done it, who's worked for a winning organization, um, but can still bring some fresh ideas to the table. And then then you're basically pouring over media guys like, oh, who's the assistant, third assistant GM of this team? And it's like, okay, what do we actually know about Austin Slater or the Dodgers or Matt Arnold with the Brewers or um, the Braves scouting director, you know, comes to mind. Uh, there's some people A.J. Hinch has ties to in Houston. There are a lot of names you can look at. And until I really start hearing who the Tigers are narrowing in on, I, I don't want to just throw out a million different names. But I think the overall profile is you want someone who's done it. You want someone who's been around an organization that has a top-notch player development system that can win at the major league level. Uh, someone who can bring a culture of excellence. And I think a, a GM, you also have to have a little bit of that, that it factor. Someone with a little bit of a force of personality who you want on the phone making trades, who you want being a spokesman in front of the cameras. I mean, I think those are those are all traits you look for, and I'm sure there are a bevy of talented candidates out there. Yeah, and on the Theo Epstein front, I mean, you know, the Lions, why don't we just get Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback for the, the Pistons? You know, why, why don't we just get, go go out there and get right. Steph Curry? I mean, that's it's all – but listen, I, dreaming big is fine with me, Cody, but let's just be realistic here, and I think you made a great point. It's kind of like how I said before the Lions hired Dan Campbell. I the, the Certain franchises need a, a guy that's better before. I know Dan Campbell had not even an interim coach for a year, but maybe that will work out there with the Tigers. I think you're right. You want someone that is – this is not a team that had won a World Series or had been you – know, even during the Jimmy Leland era with Dave Dabrowski, that had been competitive and that maybe could use a, a new kind of, uh, you know, when Theo Epstein got his first job as GM or, you know, Brian Cashman got his first job as GM. That's a little different because the Red Sox were, or the White, the Yankees were spending absurd amounts of money. But that that's a great point that you made there because you want someone that has known what it's taken to do that, to get on the phone, make trades and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and before I let you go, and once again, thanks for your time on a, on a very busy last 24 hours. Okay, rebuild's been seven years. We know what happened at the end, as I mentioned, of the Dombrowski era, you know, into, you know, Leland and then uh, Brad Ausmus. Is this fan base going to have to deal with another full rebuild, which could take five, six, seven years? Is there enough on this team now, the younger players, the upcoming, you know, you know, Jobs, 
and Riley Greens and Spencer Torgelsons and all that kind of stuff, where it could be a rebuild on the fly like the Phillies have done in the past. The Astros have kind of done at times, even though they, you know, obviously have been a top-level team uh, throughout the last several years when they won the World Series. Could this be something where it's not going to take five or six years, or could this be torn down again? And it's like, all right, the Tigers are going to look at 2030 as the time they want to be a World Series team. I think that's a really good question, and one I'm going to have to think about more. I think there's a compelling argument that maybe the best way to do this thing would be to start the rebuild all over. Yeah. I also think that's a really, really tough sell for this city, and I do think you won 77 games last year. You made some big signings. People thought you were going to be close to the playoffs. Turns out that was some false hope, and a million things went wrong, but you do have some pieces. I think with the right guy, with a couple of the right breaks, um, this could be rebuilt on the fly, that, that this thing could be jolted to life uh, quicker and your, your timeline still isn't totally um, ruined. But that will take – that leaves you very little margin for error. So I will be interested to see how that goes down. Uh, but – I, I don't know that these fans can take another, you know, five years of misery. I don't think A.J. Hinch wants that. I think A.J. Hinch wants to win. He's under contract through, I believe, 2025. I don't think he's going to support bringing in a guy who's going to tear the whole thing down. Um, so it's going to have to be someone who can hit the right buttons um, if you're going to if you're going to do it, you know, kind of on a quicker route to contention. Can't wait to see how you write about it. You cover the Tigers at a super top level, Cody. Uh, keep up the great work. I can't thank you enough for the time. And this is, uh, you know, like the Tigers fans got what they wanted. Hopefully the, the franchise can do what it takes to do what the Tigers fans want, which is a competitive team, right? Sure, sure. What are what are the people going to have to complain about now? We're going to have to find something right. else. <laughs> yeah, they got the fire reveal crowd is, is, you know, dancing on, on the aisles and the, the roofs tonight. But the next thing is, okay, what next now? You know, that's that's obviously the big question. Cody, thanks again for the time. Uh, follow Cody on Twitter, Cody Stavenhagen. Great stuff by you, as always. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Great stuff from Cody Stavenhagen. Give him a follow on Twitter. Check out his stuff in The Athletic. He does a fantastic job. It's a very – beat writers for all sports are, you know, incredible, and it's a very tough job. But baseball is the toughest because it's so long, and it's it just really never ends. I mean, you have a couple months off during the offseason, but – you got the winter meetings, you got trades happening. So it is a, a long season, and this was a big day to cover things uh, for the beat writers. And Cody did it at a very high level, as he always does. So give him a follow on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen. And thanks again for his time and a very busy 24 hours or so for him. That's going to do it for us here today. We'll see you tomorrow. Get you set for the weekend in sports and Detroit sports on the Fantastic Friday edition. Until then, keep reaching for the stars, believe in the dream. Dan Leach, the Squatch. Out!